Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, we're not sure whether we'll hear him or not, but there is Shadow Adam. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. London, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? (laughs) I'm doing excellent. We have a wonderful show today. We do. We've had amazing shows these last couple of weeks. Oh, man. These guests is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to all the guests that have stopped by. But before we get to our current guest, let me talk a little bit about who's sponsoring our show this week, and that's Loot Crate. You know about Loot Crate, right? Yes, I do. I just gave you an extra Loot Crate today. You did. Yeah, had some good stuff, right? I did, yeah. Did you like the Labyrinth t-shirt? I did, and there's also Harry Potter socks in there, which is awesome. Yeah, so (laughs) for those of you who don't know, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items in a box that has licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. But not everyone is so lucky. There you go. So So. you need to make (laughs) sure that you head to www.lootcrate.com backslash H-O-T-B. H-O-T-B stands for History of the Batman. And enter H-O-T-B-3. To save $3 on any new subscription. So, listeners, check it out. All right, London, let's get started. Let's get into this. What do you have in store for us today? Today we are joined by a very special guest, and I am personally a fan. He has done amazing photography on several different film projects. But for us, at least right now, he has worked closely on Zack Snyder's films from Watchmen to Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and is working on Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad and films in the DCEU. And that is Clay Enos. Hi, Clay. Hello. <laughs> so, Clay, was that so a sufficient... Nice, so nice to be here. Was that an okay intro for you? <laughs> <laughs> it it is very I mean you've done so much <laughs> and I could probably go on and on about all of the wonderful projects you've been on but I know for us listeners you working on the DC films right now is major and if people aren't familiar they they probably don't even realize from the posters that are everywhere to all the promotional footage that we've seen um everyone has seen your work and everyone at least that I know that looks at it. They love it. They absolutely love your photography. Well, thank you so much. It's really a treat to to be able to make them. I guess to date, I'm the only person who's photographed a DC superhero or an actor in costume. Wow. So that, that run amazing. may come to an end soon, but so far so good. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> so where where are you right now, Clay? I'm in London, where I've been since uh, early November, uh, working on Wonder Woman. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, and then we'll start another project very shortly. So do you if live? If you haven't already. Do you live in I can London? neither confirm nor deny. No, I'm uh, a New Yorker. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm a New Yorker, but, but it's nice because this is another big world city where, the, you know, uh, there's a mass transit system and the rest of it. So it's a it's a very easy transition, and it's not terribly far from most of my friends for phone calls and the rest of it. And FaceTime. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know, I actually, I, I sort of feel bad for some of the uh, Los Angeles crew because the eight-hour time zone difference is the hardest one to manage. It is. Twelve is easier than eight. So anyway. <laughs> I'm sure. That's the logistics of filmmaking. You know, we're, we live a carny life, and... You you travel all over the world to tell these stories, and it's a bit of a sacrifice, but it's getting the chance to talk to folks like you and to get that fan enthusiasm that keeps you going, oh. among other things. But that's a big part of it. 
Oh, well, of course. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm personally a fan. When I saw the photos that were emerging before Batman vs Superman was released in theaters, it got me so excited even more to see the film. And that's why we really wanted to talk to you or I wanted to talk to you just about your craft and kind of how you got into this industry and your experiences. And usually when we talk to someone on the show, we talk about their background and in particular, just the basic um, before working on the DC films and everything. I mean, did you read comics before? Or have you been a, a fan of comic books? Did that? No, it, it, it was I wasn't a big reader, period, as, as a young person. And uh, I didn't. So my first, my introduction to comic books in their entirety was reading Watchmen on the plane going to work on Watchmen. Oh, wow. And so I, I, I have a life in which a lot of things like that happen where my first cappuccino was a, was a Guatemalan national champion barista. And, and I feel like <laughs> this is reading Watchmen as my introduction to comics was just a really starting at the top or among yes. <laughs> sounds like you only like to do the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim any kind of elite status, but I've been really lucky that way. And, uh, or like, just like my first film to work on Watchmen with Zack Snyder, what a, what a treat and to really kind of come in hot. So what is that like though, to read Watchmen now, you know, for the first time, knowing that that's what you're going to go work on. I mean, you had to know a little bit of the history, right? That this was a major, important comic book. Oh, for sure. And that it had been bouncing around for almost two decades, unfilmable, quote unquote. Mm. So I was well aware. And what was super neat was to read that that incredible work of, of gra you know, in the graphic novel, put it down and then pull the script out of the seat, you know, in front of me and begin to read the film adaptation and being so impressed by, by that process. Uh, I was, I was just in it. I mean, it was, it was a first on so many levels because I'd never shot a film before. I had been a photographer making portraits and doing, doing the freelance thing, but to be then immersed on set every day for the, essentially the next five or six months of my life, it was uh, mind-blowing, to say the least. So how do you get that job? Right. And even before you said that Watchmen was your first kind of major role with this photography, I mean, where did you, when did you start being a photographer? Or was that always a hobby or a passion? And kind of what portrait work were you doing before you got into these major films? I mean, to, it was at that point, I was probably 15 years out of college or university, as they say here. <laughs> and I was where I was a film photography and visual arts major. I have a BFA in that from Ithaca College. And I it was fairly circuitous after college, but I found that I needed to follow my passion, which was, in fact, photography. And uh, while doing myriad creative jobs, decided that photography was really what needed to guide me. And through happenstance and, and luck, um, started to build a portfolio that was sufficient to impress uh, my friends, one of whom was Debbie Snyder. And then when an opportunity with the success of 300, uh, was, you know, uh, obvious, Zack Snyder had some leverage to bring somebody like me, uh, new to the film world into his fold. So the cliche is it's, uh, who do you know? But there's a, <laughs> the nice twist of that is who knows you and, and they knew me. And uh, knew that I could do the job and would be energetic and you know give it my all, and so that's how it worked. That's how it happened, and I've been doing it ever since. Though I must say that first movie was so um, traumatizing and these sort of I had no one had told me prior to getting on set how all encompassing filmmaking is that you sort of eat sleep, eat sleep and everything your work. 
you don't have time to have a life. My friends wondered where I'd gone. You know, they, the phone calls stopped. I was exhausted. <laughs> uh, there's a fair amount of rain in that movie. I was drenched and cold. It was, it was unbelievable. And I thought, oh, my God, I'll never do that again. But sure enough, I'm still doing it. I just learned to do it better. <laughs> Manage my time and my energy. That's amazing, especially because it's such an important, you know, graphic novel. And to, I mean, the coolest thing about that was that he had pretty much replicated panel for panel the comic book onto film. And then you then have to capture that is, is kind of nuts. And Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it, he is such a fan and he is such a visual thinker that I, I could jive with that, right? I mean, we were definitely in sync, and I could, and the book, the, the graphic novel is always there on set, so it was really fun to be able to flip to that page and then shoot that page and so things like that. that's definitely and, yeah. a reference then. Oh, my goodness, absolutely. <laughs> what yeah, and cool. I, I mean, that first day in the soaking rain, to under a rain tower in a cemetery as Rorschach approaches the grave of the comedian, you know, it was, or was the comedian of Moloch? I'm sorry. I know it was, I'm, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, all I remember is the rain and just being amazed at, uh, at what was about to happen. And, and so and what, ill-prepared I was. What was the specific assignment? So, so that was another thing. And no one had really told me what I was to do. I didn't, there's no other unit photographers on set. It's not like I could go ask another grip how to do, how to be a grip. So I just sort of immersed myself as a curious photographer in that world, realizing that I was to tell the story of the film in still pictures and what was being filmed, but also to explore this incredible world of filmmaking, the behind the scenes, the the unbelievable attention to detail brought to this, to the process by the props and the hair and the makeup, um, by the production design. And I just shot everything. Mm -hmm. And because everything was interesting, everything was amazing. And, uh, and because I had a portrait background, I started making portraits of all these incredible background actors and the main actors as they move through five decades of, of time. It was just a, it was just an amazing, immersive time and space that I got to explore photographically. And while in hindsight, I totally overshot it, uh, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> what, they, what, what I overshot sits on a hard drive somewhere. It's not really a burden. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask next is once you shoot all these pictures, the assignment then to go through all that must have been time-consuming. I mean, are you doing that during the shooting? Are you just shooting what you can and then get exhausted, go to bed, and then just have all this film that you deal with later? I mean, how do you get through that? I was there called to rap on principle, sort of feel like I was really part of the crew. A lot of still photographers don't necessarily start and end with, with the rest of the crew. So at the end of the day or at the end of the week, I would have a, way too many pictures. I would call the the mistakes and the out of focus and the redundancies but sent them to the lab in los angeles where photo editors probably to this day one of them claims that he has to wear glasses now because of my effort on watchman <laughs> <laughs> there you go they they do the big edit you know they have the vision and the understanding of where the images will have application i was just just a photographer on the ground making the pictures Got it. there's a whole process at the back end that will eventually say, you know, be the re the release decisions are all made elsewhere. I just make them, uh, do my best to make a, an image that's representative, and then the bigger machine does the releasing. Understood. So many of the photos you did take, it turned into the Watchmen Portraits series, which is amazing it had an amazing acclaim from that series on did you kind of begin to have this love affair for superhero films and f photographing these these heroes i mean i know you you weren't a big reader and you didn't read the comics but ever since watchmen did that pique your interest into 
reading more about other heroes? You know, I, I've always been more attached to the photography mm-hmm. and, and what's in front of me. The fact that it turned into the DC Extended Universe is, hasn't necessarily uh, brought me more into the medium. I'm, I'm still a photographer who looks out at the world and, and really kind of puts my time that way. My, my reading consists mostly of nonfiction. So I'm, I'm not necessarily immersed in the, in the source material so much as I am in the remarkable sort of mythologies that, that the DC comic universe and the DC film universe is exploring. But I'm still doing that as a, as a photographer and as a filmmaker, you know, part of a filmmaking team. Definitely. So you started, like you said, working in the DCU and you started working on, well, first you did, you were working on Man of Steel with Snyder and going from Man of Steel and then putting that Superman into Batman versus Superman, was there kind of a shift in your view of the character since you focus more on the film world more than the comic book medium? Did you have to kind of, when you were doing your photography and your work, was there a difference in capturing Superman from the time he was in Man of Steel to what he ultimately is in the Batman versus Superman film? Yeah, you know, I don't know. First of all, it was funny that my first film is Watchmen, mm-hmm. where, where comic book superheroes are all these misfit vigilantes. And then to sort of shift, you know, I almost thought, oh my, this will be the end of this, this genre of filmmaking. Like, we're going to put it to bed right now with Watchmen. And of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, the irony isn't lost on me that I'm still making these films, but taking them all very, you know, that they're not now costumed vigilantes, but are in fact massive cultural icons that mean a lot to people and um so that that's always tinged you know on a frustrating day you're like oh man what the heck (laughs) can't they see that's just dr manhattan can't they realize this is you know they're just it's the comedian over all over and over again so anyway that that is always in my head a little bit which may be good or bad maybe it's blasphemous in some circles (laughs) But, but no, look, you, I also couldn't be, um, on this earth without having my own impressions or interpretations of, of Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is just this remarkable icon. And as I, prior to this film stuff, traveled a whole ton, still love to travel, but there isn't a place on earth where you don't see a Superman shirt or Batman shirt for right. that matter. And it, so these, these two in particular are, amazing cultural touchstones and then to see henry cavill come on set when he's in his cape and like the full gear you don't you you just pause for a moment it is a stunning representation of this thing that had previously always been whether it was a saturday morning cartoon or a comic book page or a you know wrapping paper you know <laughs> you know how superman exists in the world everywhere <laughs> yes. everything so and you you don't have there's for me there's kind of two faces that that uh are constant it's like santa claus and superman and you see henry and you almost feel like you need to sit on his lap and tell him what you want for christmas <laughs> <laughs> it's this strange hybrid because <laughs> that's more my mind and my confusing mind than, than anything. But you you can't not be reverential of the material and of of the effort being put forth by the filmmakers to render him and all of the DCU characters with the utmost respect and the, sort of the profundity with which they exist. You know, the Joker turns 75. 75. That's all... That's, that is, you know, you would, anything that's 75, you, you honor. Right. <laughs> and, and all his Batman is 70, what is he, 77 these days. Yes. <laughs> we've, right? we, we've honored him with a podcast. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And you know what? We all, I mean, again, when you multiply everybody's honors, the, this, is, uh, this is stuff you don't tread lightly into. So seeing Superman and all of these characters, I mean, on set, 
I'm I'm sure just the way you said they're iconic, does that make you, I mean, does it give you some type of like pressure to try to capture these iconic heroes that everyone is familiar with in this new way? Or are you inspired by what you see when he walks on set? Does that give you inspiration for, oh, I want to shoot him this way? Or is that kind of your, the, what you use to give you inspiration for your work? Yeah, I, think, I guess I, the work, my work ethic is what sort of inspires the best for me to do my best, right? Right. So, and, and I'm, I'm not, they're, they're not necessarily there to be photographed by me, mm-hmm. right? They're there to be filmed telling a, a story. So I'm, I'm always the kind of, uh, set mosquito a little bit, you know, <laughs> kind of moving around trying to get my image that, that's the most representative. There are times, of course, when we're shooting the poster material or I can pull them aside and say, hey, you know, the light here is amazing or let's let's use this background for just a quick uh, portrait. Um, but I'm, I look at a guy like Henry or, or Superman and in the, on the given day and in the given context and try and make the most representative image, something that is that is heroic or, uh, you know, s- strong. And a strong image in my world isn't necessarily – tied to canon but it might be just about quality of light and and context and then what the fun of photography is there's a ton of interpretation that happens by the viewer and and i'm not unaware of that but i love the way i can just pull somebody off to the side and a particular glint of light will hit them and all of a sudden it's 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 a tattoo on someone's arm (laughs) (laughs) And they see it very. They see it as that that icon, and I love that. Or a postage, it's a postage stamp on the island of Jersey, which is really fun. So you said that you move around the set like a mosquito. Just kind of backing up for a second, what yeah. what kind of camera do you use? I know that seems like kind of maybe a basic question, but I know there are photographers that are listening right now. They might be interested into what you use. I would preface everything that I'm not really a gear centric photographer and they were hammers to me and um and used as such so and and i also think people get hung up in gear my favorite my favorite camera by far has to be the latest iphone so i'm sort of set the ground rules and i've been all of the stuff prior to and in the middle of suicide squad i've been using nikons and now i'm in, using the sony a7 uh, line because they're completely silent and I don't need to be I don't need to be blimped which is this device you wrap around your camera that's really bulky and awkward to keep it quiet and discreet while on set so the Sony's can shoot in a completely silent mode and offer just amazing flexibility and freedom they're also incredibly clever cameras that have uh, sort of upped my game very cool. <laughs> I didn't know whether or not there was a particular something that you use that kind of gave you the best shot or you just kind of go with the flow, whatever seems to fit at the moment when you do I, see that perfect lighting or you want to pull someone to the side. You, you've seen there's a couple of pictures of me wearing this cool strap system by a company called Hold Fast. Uh, and I, can, I carry three cameras around at all times <laughs> and it runs the gamut of 24 to 200 millimeter lens, you know, in terms of focal length. So I pretty much have all of the basic focal lengths that the film would be shooting in at any given time with me at all times. So it's, it's, um, I'm not encumbered to, to make kind of any basic image at any time. The quality of light and just the timing of the actors and the rest of it is what, what determines, you know, if I get it or not. So you talked about seeing Superman or Henry Cavill on set. And since we are a Batman-centric show, we did. <laughs> we do have to note that in Batman vs. Superman, that we have our newest cinematic Batman is Ben Affleck. And since this, the live-action Batman is one of the longest lines of Batman, I think, to date, and there have been so many different actors. What were some of the challenges just to to portray this Batman to set him apart from the Christian Bales and the Val Kilmer and the Michael Keaton and all of the other Batman, just to kind of, he's starting in this universe as the newest Batman to kind of set him and set his tone as this cinematic Batman. Yeah, well, I mean, it was fun 
to be on the inside, right? To, to watch and listen and read people's comments and doubts and challenges. And it, 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 I'm not being a comic person, somewhat baffled that there'd be even debate because of the nature of yeah, just this history you've spoken of, right? This is, there's been a lot of Batmans. There's, right. <laughs> here comes another one. Isn't that exciting? But it, it tends to, it tends to uh, inspire argument rather than excitement. You know, of course, that argument is tinged with excitement because it's out of most of our hands. Um, this one being the older, grizzled, uh, war-torn uh, Batman, I think, is what distinguishes it. And and Ben, of course, is 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 a heavyweight in his own right. So I think that was really fun. I mean, it was a little even for me. I was like, all right, I gotta, I have to feel out what it is to photograph a new actor and an actor who may, may not be into still photographers on set. You know, I, it's always a little dance I have to do with everyone. And, um, sure enough did that with Ben it, by, by happenstance again, a lot of that in my life, I happened to be at a, a lunch table with Zach and Debbie and Ben before we started shooting, having lunch. And I was introduced as the still photographer and they, proceeded to pour a ton of praise on me. So it was a nice way of kind of, I didn't have to introduce myself. I was sitting at the table with the director and a producer um, being, being lauded for my efforts. That that's a nice icebreaker so that when the time comes um, I can, I can do my thing. And it's, and it's been a ton of fun to watch the early images of, of Batman, of Ben's Batman uh, emerge from the sneaky one we put out at Comic-Con on the, to celebrate his 75th uh, birthday mm-hmm. to, to the Desert Batman that got everybody you know, really lit up. That one's those, amazing. Both, both, <laughs> both of those images, both, you know, sort of side profile images, were made rather discreetly without him knowing. Um, one is between takes and the other is when he was checking out the monitors, right? I mean, I don't mean to blow away any miss, but they're, <laughs> they're, ve- they're very much sort of in my style of paying attention and rendering an image that goes out to the world with zero to little to no retouching, not even cropping. There was a crop on the, on the Desert Batman only because I think uh, Zach put it out on Instagram first before they, <laughs> before they uh, allowed us to go uncropped. So do are there actors who get upset with you or are annoyed by you floating around? You know, I think that that's a that's an interesting one. I think in the, in general, the still photographer because they're there to make a movie is the easiest one to pawn or to be pawned if they're in a bad mood or need to somehow assert themselves or if they really are focused and just want to sort of set the tone to send the signal that I need I need this. I need the set to be quiet. Whatever they'll they'll shoo me away, and it's always done politely. They they often know, or you know, every once in a while I'll screw up and be in their eye line, and they'll be they'll look at me like, "What were you doing?" <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean, you know that that's bound to happen over six months of twelve hour days. So I think um, no, everybody's we're all professionals, right? This is a job for all of us. And there are, and it's a professional work environment. Nobody's losing their minds. Well, we, we've seen what, uh, or we've heard what Christian Bale's done to some other people on the set. I don't know if you've seen those. I think that was you like TMZ. And <laughs> the way he berated, yeah. he berated like somebody I on the set. I remember that. And you know what? We're that here to protect like you, a, man. <laughs> no, honestly, that, that, well, I remember when that went around. And that, to me, that just sounded like a guy who like needed it. Needing an ice cream, you know, like a little low blood sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We've all been there. We've all lost our minds a little bit. And it's, it's unfortunate just this is a, in our culture of celebrity that certain, certain voices are amplified in that way. But we've all lost our minds because we've, you know, we've been hangry. So, so, you, so you can confirm that the current Batman has not lost his mind with you. <laughs> I can confirm that no one's lost their mind. Okay, that's good. Overall, you've had a pretty good experience <laughs> yeah. with being on the sets. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely I remember there's a scene in Man of Steel where where um, Soups and Zod were fighting, 
towards the end in the third act. And, uh, I, it was an intense sort of physical battle and I got in Michael Shannon's eyeline, but he was already yelling. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he just sort of kept his yell and we're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, there you you go. You helped him get in character. (laughs) And he's a lovely, you know, again, we just, uh, we quickly chatted and it was all good. All right. Well, that's a good point to take a break. So let's just take this moment to say hello to our sponsors. And we're back. So we were talking about your work with Ben Affleck on the set. And it's from a lot of the different shots that we've seen either on your Instagram or on your website, it's the behind the scenes shots, there's a lot of uh, usage of like green screen. Um, there was one that you posted recently where it's one of the major fight scenes between Batman and Superman. They're like on the rooftop, but the background is just completely green screen, which it's an amazing shot. But I'm curious as to what are the challenges of your photography when the physical landscapes or the backgrounds aren't there and yet you have to kind of capture these moments. And when we see it on screen, everything's there and it's in full background and the elements and everything. What what are the difficulties with shooting just with green screen? Well, I'll point out too that in that, while it doesn't have a real background, we were on a real roof and it was <laughs> real rain, ah, right? So, okay. <laughs> so the, the, um, the falling over issue was real right and the um the staying dry issue was real Um, (laughs) you just you look i can at times i will i will be frustrated by a a green background right because it it does you realize that it's unlikely to exist outside of a behind the scenes shot right it's unlikely Mm -hmm. to go to move through the process and really be part of the marketing uh, you know the the poster type stuff. So okay, I can I can accept that. But I, knowing also what it's going to become, let it just fall away and focus on the performances, focus on the the expressions, the gestures. Because in our digital world and in this Photoshop, the, among the Photoshop wizards at Warner Brothers, that everything is a possible element to be composited and brought into some other marketing message or or storytelling you know message so i don't get too hung up on it and having worked with uh, dj desardins the the visfx coordinator since with on everything zach's done since watchmen i have total and complete faith we have a little i'll i'll usually just tease him like dude you know you're like taking your you're cramping my style <laughs> but ultimately it, we know that that it's um some there's always something useful no matter what the background is and you, if if that's the moment when batman first and you know throws a punch at superman and it gets blocked like it, who cares what the background is like <laughs> let's get that let's get that angle let's get that expression let's get that face cuz even if you think of that moment in your in your head right now you're not really overwhelmed by what what's behind them. Right. You're focused <laughs> on them, which Yes. Right. Yeah. So I, I I mean green screen is just a reality of filmmaking. It's an unbelievable tool in the storyteller's arsenal. Um for me as a photographer to sort of be frustrated is a losing battle. <laughs> just accept it and and uh look for a set piece if there is a set piece to put it behind them and then just stay focused on the bigger picture. Well, you're right about focusing on the the characters or the actors in the film because that's what we focus on. So you and you're working with these icons, you're working with Batman and Superman. And we were introduced to the newest Wonder Woman in Batman vs Superman as well. And the whole yeah. and the whole Trinity comes together, which was incredible. And many fans like myself have been waiting for this moment for years. So what was your experience working with them and who was the most fun to work with out of the Trinity group? Well, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm generally not, I'll avoid superlatives, the (laughs) best or most or favorite and things like that. But I will tell you that the way maybe just because of the gender roles of my upbringing, I had sort of soups and Batman in my head. Mm -hmm. It was awesome to be on set 
and in the behind the monitors, the day Gal came out in full costume to shoot that Trinity scene, and the there were tears of joy and and uh, among many of the crew, and there was even a, like an eight year old girl who was um, a family member, you know, meeting Gal, and it was it was a stunning. And you you felt the gravitas of what we were doing. This is this is an this is an incredible icon of power of femininity, uh, and and you couldn't find a better a better sort of person than Gal to to play it. She is absolutely a treat every single day. And I and I say that now, you know, having been with her every single day through the win- English winter. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was just going to ask you since you are working on that film and since this is in almost 3 decades we've seen a live action Wonder Woman and I mean, even for for people who haven't read the comics, I mean, Linda, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, I mean, is iconic all by itself. I mean, trying to, I mean, what are there any, I guess, challenges, pressures, anything that you feel that capturing this Wonder Woman, you said it's so much fun and easy to work with her and she just exudes that feel of the character. So has it been so far a good experience just with capturing this new Wonder Woman that's going to be in this universe? You, you know the moment in Batman v Superman, right? When she she lands and she arrives, and mm-hmm. and the crowds cheer. Yes, <laughs> like the audience cheers. That is what it feels like. You you can't help but have that feeling every time she's in front of your camera. Like it's honestly, she is. It is a ton of fun. The that and and obviously, I saw the movie a long time ago, or not? Maybe not obviously, but I, I was <laughs> lucky enough to see it in no, last November. And I would, I had just, basically we had just started filming then. And it was just the giant smile on my face when she arrives, knowing that this is, this is her debut. This is how, this is the film we're making now. This is the, this is what the world has been waiting for. And so excited for everyone else to be able to see it, you know steals the show you hear i mean just you know just just that's that is exciting i don't i can't recall a moment in film where a, where a character arrives and so consistently crowds react the way they do i don't think even han solo returning just recently in the last star wars gave that had the reaction. same had that same cuz partly in part because of sort of his entrance is fairly you know it's fairly pedestrian right just mm-hmm. just walking up into the millennium just walking up into the millennium falcon <laughs> i can't believe i said that but <laughs> but but you know she's she's banging into a full on third act battle that is that is awesome and i again i'm i'm just so lucky that that that's that the images people will see of her in the near future hopefully or you know over the next year or so are going to be mine are you still getting the chills when you see her in costume? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, too. look, it, yeah. she's, she's, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, very much so. She's a wonderful. She's cast. really, she's really strong. And that I know this is a, I know this is also a Batman podcast. But you feel that for all of these folks, when Batman is giant, <laughs> that costume is ridiculous. You know, I was talking to some some photo editors for a magazine recently and they it's he's tricky to even get in the frame with the other two because batman's so big (laughs) (laughs) how was that bat armor was that cool to capture uh the mech suit is very cool yeah i I love the mech suit i wouldn't want to be i wouldn't have want to have been in it but uh well maybe i would right just for a day just just to see what it's like out the mech suit (laughs) i don't think my, my, my eyes wouldn't come out the mouth you could imagine the cameras that would shoot out the back if you were wearing it. Right, I would. I would definitely have a bat cam. <laughs> well, you're working on these films, and you've also done or continue to doing work for Suicide Squad, which is coming out this August. And we've seen your photos and promotional works in Empire Magazine and Entertainment Weekly, and I've loved all of the layouts and it makes me even more excited for this film. So 
for all most of these characters, all Task Force X, they're they're new to people to the audience. Unless you've read the comics, you really aren't familiar with them. And so, was that in mind when you started to do the covers and to shoot them as a group? Um, were did you look into any background on them, or did you just kind of get the feel of the set and their costume and their character just on set? Well, some of the stuff that's Empire, a lot of the unit is just unit stuff. So we mm-hmm. would just, you know, that which is I was loving how generous and how early all that stuff came out. Um, and then when it came to the more some of those Empire covers, that was that was all shot towards the end of our time together. So we had had we had the relationship already, and I mm-hmm. sort of understood the characters independent of any of their comic um, origins. So we just sort of worked that. I mean, with the exception of the Joker, you're right. Everybody is kind of new to a non-comic centric uh in the world though though images of harley seem to have a pop culture allure oh definitely um, <laughs> you know i it's still it's still a little fringy in term you know when compared to batman superman wonder woman right um and um, there are uh, much there's a much bigger fan base just for Harley than compared to the other characters, perhaps instead of Joker, because she was in the animated series in the 90s and then in comics and in the video games. And everyone is so anticipating to see Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn because she's just a fan favorite. Um, did you kind of see that personality that's in the animated series and the comics that I mean does Margot Robbie portray that does that come out easily in your film and your photos and working well I with mean them? again I can't go too too far down that right my, my NDAs in a general sense <laughs> but I um look I again I didn't bring that same I didn't bring the comic or animated series imagery on to the, I mean, again, maybe this just is horribly offensive, right? I mean, I'm, <laughs> but I, I dealt with it as Margot and the lovely Margot right. playing the amazing Harley Quinn, right? right? Who, when I read the script, was just like, this is going to be a treat. You know, <laughs> we're all getting tastes of that mm-hmm. uh, from the trailers. So it was very much the, the energy of the moment and her character and just paying attention to, uh, take after take to, the, to what she brought to the role. Um, and I think we've all got the same taste now in the trailers. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, similar to wonder woman, right? We've got these amazing female icons and female, uh, they're powerful one. Of course there's good and bad, right? But given the nature of task force X, task force X that we've got, um, it's she's a she's bad, but she's serving maybe a good right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I love that. I love that. I mean, I think it's just really nice that we've got these these two wonderful female characters coming to the screen in Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn, and I think it's uh, it's telling of our age. Maybe as we're about to have a, a female president too. It's, it's just a neat thing without getting into politics. But I, all this stuff moves in the zeitgeist, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it's it's a nice it's a nice kind of uh, moment in history that that we're sitting on, we're sitting, that we're part of. Right, and from from what you've described in your experiences, it seems like the actors and actresses that are portraying these popular and iconic characters, it sounds like they really are bringing to life the characters that we do know from comics and TV and all of the other media, even if from the start, the comics may not have been your particular source, just them bringing those characters to life from the script. It sounds like just on the set, we'll get to see what I think we've all been waiting for just in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, let's just step back for a second. I mean, we're at the top of our game, right? These are the biggest movies in the world being made right? with some of the A-list top actors in the world who care deeply about their craft and their rendering of their roles. There is no one is going to half-ass their effort. Mm -hmm. And so when they bring it, they are giving it their all and they are everybody involved. I mean, I can't underestimate the sort of the nature of this, this work and everybody's work. We are there to honor source material, but also to do our damnedest every day on set. And, and that, and the actors 
are sort of the obviously the ones that are recorded in doing so. Uh, I don't think anybody need worry. There will be debate and disagreement. We've seen it with BVS. But, but ultimately, I'm all about that conversation. Like, go debate. Like, have a movie-inspired discussion. Have a movie. You know, disagree about the nuances. Storytelling isn't intended to just wash over you and then move on. It's supposed to inspire and, and challenge and I, I mean, you know, I love that about what we're doing. And I think more so in the DC uh, extended universe than maybe in some other places. So I'm, I'm, uh, I just sort of tangentially went where I wanted to go there. But <laughs> you get my, like, I can't bring, I can't bring enough significance to the effort everyone brings to their roles. Right. And it's, and I think we as fans can definitely see it in, the photos you take and even in the trailers and just all of the behind the scene behind the scenes work and so far in the in Bamber Sumer and the other films I think we'll see all of that passion and heart and care for the craft that you've described and I think like you said it's a great time to love these characters and to see all of these films and just see all of this mythology like I said come to life on screen it's it's the best right now <laughs> Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm I'm a little jealous, you know. I mean, I would have. It's, it's a. I I kind of sometimes wish I I had all this stuff in my head. Though at the same time, maybe not. Maybe I'm, you know, because of the debate and because of the frustrations felt by some some fans out there. Maybe maybe it's good I come in fresh. So so for me, while I've seen the Heath. Ledger Batman or Heath Leather jo- Leather. Excuse me, it's still early here. I'm oh, it's okay. the mouse warming up. Um, <laughs> but you know, as I've seen the previous filmic renditions of Batman. I'm I'm attached to Ben's rendition, right? I mean, I, you can't spend six months with somebody and not sort of have a connection, right? And, and be invested in it. I'm not going to be a, give you an unbiased. Uh, interpretation i understand the critiques but i think in the end like live with this one enjoy this one uh you know engage in a conversation about it that isn't hateful or or sort of closing down let let these comic book characters because it amazes me that comic books run through multiple universes multiple renditions and everybody just sort of finds their allegiance and there's no Everyone's good with it. As soon as it becomes a celluloid rendition, everybody loses their minds with, right. like a rig- with a rigidity that <laughs> doesn't seem fitting. Maybe it's just the nature of the medium, and, but we should try and change that. We should allow ourselves to let these things be stories that come into our minds. Don't get too hung up on the medium right. and, and let them be, let these characters resonate and live in you just the way they have 75 years prior, if you've been so lucky. Right. I agree. There have been so many different interpretations through all different types of media. And then just coming into watching these films and seeing how it's being interpreted there, it's hard to just have yourself set on one particular type of character and hero. You should kind of have that open mind and be open to different types of interpretation because there's so many that can be done and that will be done for, I'm sure... Yeah. decades more. <laughs> so yeah. I understand. And if I were to yeah. spin it to myself, you know, I make a single frame, you know, in a fraction of a second, and it sits out there on the interwebs to represent Batman for months. <laughs> <laughs> and then the and then fan art emerges using it and all the rest of it, right? Yes. It, it's it's awesome because I love when I love the fan art. Mm-hmm. But ultimately that is one fraction of a second over six months of time <laughs> with this character. Like I, I get interpretation, but don't get too stuck, right? That's not, right. there's no, there's no be all end all in, in any photograph, really. Right. They're all abstractions and they're all intended to kind of potentially move you in a direction, but it's all just a small piece. Them, right, right. Enjoy <laughs> it first. Like enjoy, especially I mean, at this level of, of comic book films. Like this stuff is intended to to be enjoyed and to be immersive and metaphorical. Like not the stuff of of hateful argument. <laughs> That's the stuff of, of like joyful filmmaking storytelling. 
So of all of the posters and promo photos and that we've seen that you've shot, what has been your favorite within the DCU? Do you have a favorite? Do you just love it all? Do you, can you not pick out of which particular shot that we've seen that you're like, wow, this is really great or that can really captures that character? Gosh, I, there's, you know, uh, my, f- my, the first Man of Steel poster I really loved that they put out at Comic-Con, the sort mm-hmm. of shadowy silhouette. Yes. Because I just thought it was a beautiful bit of, uh, of non-photoshopped, <laughs> um, you know, that's always fun for me. But, and then just recently I was looking through my unit photography for Batman v Superman and there's the, the poster image of the two of them staring at each other. Yes. And I thought for the longest time that wasn't my photo because I was off axis. Now, I couldn't be where the camera, movie camera was, but I, somehow I got one. And that's the one. So I, I've, all this time I thought it was just a film still, but I think it's actually from my unit stuff. So that, that's really cool. I was just more like, oh, man, I did get that. <laughs> I forgot. That is. I was too busy trying great. to stay dry. That's, that's funny. <laughs> but that is a great shot, though. So. It's really neat. And it's, again, you know, it's obviously representative of the of the, the general theme of that film. Right. Uh, so but, certainly the title. Yes. But like you said, it's just a small piece of what that whole film really portrays and yeah <laughs> and and i did love the three individual posters so bat and oh, his mech yes. suit and soups looking all heroic and um and then of course wonder woman in her own poster yeah. yes so great <laughs> <laughs> it makes me but so excited all, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with the next with the suicide squad stuff that should start emerging are you gonna yeah. the films. are you gonna do a, a portrait book for the suicide squad i can imagine that that would be immaculate <laughs> you know i mean every time an image comes out on twitter i'm i'm immediately um pinged for the high res you know and or for for something else and mm. and i i do not control these images ultimately my work is in the legalese legalese term of work for hire so i don't i don't own or control their release and um portrait books and all of that stuff is just a wish i think <laughs> maybe it would be really fun you know let's say when the this sort of snyder arc or whatever arc of these initial uh, announced films um are made and if i get to work on a bunch of them it would be really fun to have a book, a, comp- a compilation of portraits made. Yeah, that but, would uh, be but it's really not, nice. But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not for me to determine, I'm afraid. I'll tell okay. you what, I'll keep making them, and then let's see what they do with them. <laughs> that's, that's my promise to you. That, that sounds good. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so with your history of photography and on films and just portrait photography in general. We have a lot of listeners and followers that are aspiring artists and photographers themselves. Do you have any advice for them to who want to kind of get into this industry or anything that you can give just from your experiences to kind I of would say, yeah, I would, I mean, my advice is always to just, if you're, and if you're younger, you, you're fueled by passion. And, and that hopefully, and, that, and that's great, but you're probably going to need more patience and persistence <laughs> <laughs> as, as the world tends to not be completely open to the new arrivals. Right. Right? But yes. if, you, if you just sort of swap the passion down for patience and persistence, and then eventually your time will come, and then you just turn it back to the passions. Always try and move with passion. Let that be your guide. It doesn't always take center stage, but when it does, and it's when the opportunity presents itself, go forth. Um, but but patience and persistence is really the secret uh, to to anything. I think. I mean, I you know I don't want to start sounding like some sort of self help guru, but there <laughs> there is an aspect of that, right? Like you just have to power through the hard times if you know what you love. There's a myriad of factors that'll prevent you from doing it, but ultimately, you know, you're your own, you're your own boss, and uh, if it just means sucking it up for a while because you know what you want to do, suck it up for a while, and then it'll it will emerge. But but ultimately, the idea is to be be free and passionate about what you do. Well, thank you. That. 
that sounds perfect. <laughs> Any advice, I'm sure anyone needs to hear something positive to keep them going. I'm always one for, like you said, if you have a passion to pursue it. And like you said, patience is always definitely a virtue. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard, right? I mean, yeah, I, it I, is. I floundered for a long time, not knowing where where my photography was going to take me. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I, I don't know where it where I'm going to, where it is going to take me. I mean, every movie is its own project, right? Right. So I don't know what happens after my next effort. Um, but I'm, but I'm passionate enough and I'm positive enough to think that maybe I'll keep doing this. And I hope you do because we love your work. (laughs) We love seeing everything that pops up. I'm always excited when a photo does pop up, even if you may not know that it does, (laughs) apparently. But we're all very excited to keep seeing more and more from these films. And and as as a collector, do you get to collect all the work that you put out in terms of posters? Do they send you all the comps and, you know... Just graphic I, novels, tons of stuff that you've now acquired since you're in the comic book world. I, I wish I could say yes, but I live in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City. Mm. So <laughs> it's a, just an impractical thing to do. I know that all of that ex- stuff exists over in Zach's office. And if I ever, well, you, you know that ever you, felt nostalgic, I could go over. You know that you could store all these posters in London's uh house she would be happy to take all the i would poster. hold them for you yeah <laughs> and make sure they're nice and neat so when and you everything. get that two bedroom in new york city you got a place you know what i mean i i, I love all the way it, the stuff gets rendered out there for the at the final product but i also have all of the images i've made as a kind of yearbook to Right there, they exist on right. my drives. So that's if good I'm, enough for you. It's Is really, it? it's really fun. <laughs> no, I've got, we've all gotten older in the last decade. It's fun to see because I'm still working with a bunch of the same folks. Right? <laughs> it's neat to see us as the younger folks. Yeah. No. No. I. I well, you can still store your stuff at London. So. If you want. <laughs> okay. Deal. I'll see what I can do. All right. Nice. And, <laughs> And and also, uh, just totally off topic of superheroes and comics, and we're going to probably ask you like where people can follow you and all that. And one of the things that I've noted on your Instagram uh, account is that you were in Rwanda. Is that true? I have been to Rwanda a bunch of times because I, I have a few clients who are in the coffee business and coffee importers and, and working with nonprofits there. Yeah, in fact, in my last trip to Rwanda, I tacked on a little trip to Eastern Congo to do work for Ben Affleck's nonprofit, the Eastern Congo Initiative. Nice, hmm. nice. I was just in uh, Rwanda this past summer, and lovely had a, had a great experience. Oh, so good. Were you there? Were you there just on vacation? Yeah, we were. Well, my wife does a lot of work with Rwanda, the country itself, and we got to meet President Kagame and uh, went guerrilla trekking on the Rwandan side, which was amazing. And I saw that you did that too. I did. I was in Virunga, which is that amazing um, documentary on Netflix. Yes. And I mean, just the experience of Rwanda, I think is probably one of the coolest. I was in Kenya. I was also in South Africa and I found Rwanda to be probably the most legitimate or what one might consider the traditional African experience. But yet I still felt safe and you know not not worried about you know crazy any of it yeah right it it just it's like an ideal country to visit yeah they think they call it the switzerland of africa these days well there you go i'm moving to switzerland (laughs) too so um but that's that's a whole nother story (laughs) talking about off topic so I'm, i'm standing here in my backyard and a fox has just jumped into the into the yard and it's bouncing around. There you go. I'm so I'm so English right now. <laughs> yes. You are. So, any more plans to go back to Rwanda? Um, I yeah, goodness, of course. Yeah, in fact, I'm hoping we'll see if uh, I can get also go back to Eastern Congo. Hmm. So maybe with Ben this time. No, that would be cool. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've been to Rwanda three or four times, so it's it's a, a magnet for for me and my attention and my you know the photography that i do on set sort of pays the bills to be quite mundane about it 
And then I'll use that time in between films, if I know, especially if I know there's one on deck, to go do work that is um, of a nonprofit nature, I guess. And and then just and it's just steeped in adventure and and a different kind of meaning. Well, if you ever get the chance to go to the Agahosa Shalom Youth Village in Rwanda, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's outside of Kigali. But it's okay. an amazing place where they actually formed a youth village for the survivors of the genocide so that they would have families. And now it's grown to, you know, because obviously the survivors of the genocide have grown up. Now it's just strict orphans that, um, that now can have a place to live and uh, get a high school education. And it's pretty much open, and they're always looking for volunteers to come and help, and you know, teach. Yeah, make some pictures for them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that that's right up my alley. All right, well, we'll connect all fair on that one. (laughs) Terrific. All right. Well, so if people do want to follow you, yes, and check out these amazing adventures and see your portfolio, everything. Yes. Where can they go? How do they do that? (laughs) It's yeah, it's pretty easy. It's clayenos.com and then on Instagram it's at clayenos, Twitter at clayenos. For those tuned into the cutting edge of social networks, there's one called Vero. Now I'm just clayenos there. I mean, it's a I'm pretty simple to Google. And and honestly, I'm not the most dedicated on maintaining a lot of that stuff <laughs> just because the nature of my my all immersive work over here as we spoke about. But but I continue to try and make images, especially on the social networks that are just sort of random and and uh, reflective of of you know what what's attractive to me. It's not all superhero ish, but hopefully it's inspiring and and it's um, accessible to everyone. I, I would encourage everyone to be a photographer just because of the nature of it. it's it's an easy medium. We all have them in our pockets and. Uh, and I think it behooves us all to be artistic in some way or another as, as human beings. And photography is a wonderful entree into that, or a re-entree, because we were all finger painters as young <laughs> folks. But, but photography, we can all be photographers as adults. You said you like to travel a lot. Do you have a particular place you like to go to and, and do your photography? Oh, goodness. No, I don't have a favorite. Yeah. And again, that's superlatives. <laughs> Look, if there's adventure, if there's, if there's adventure and, uh, and, and something to be had, you know, if there's a message to be shared that maybe isn't out, getting out there, then I'm in. Um, if there's hitchhiking involved, that's even more fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's keep it simple. Yes. You also are into lifting weights. Is that uh, what I've seen <laughs> on your Instagram? I mean, you, I, yeah. You, there's, you know, also where because I'm on a movie, I'm fairly embargoed what I can share, and because most of my days either sleeping, eating, working, or you know, occasionally in the gym. The gym is probably the most photographic of those four. <laughs> I mean, that I can share. Anyway. That you the can share. Work right. is all embargoed. <laughs> yeah, and, but also I think it, it staying physically fit, I think, is a, is a contrivance of our sedentary world. But I think it's something that we should all engage in in any way, shape, or form. And I just happen to have access to the you know remarkable gyms that Mark Twight and, and Zack Snyder sort of set up around the world. On their sets, so I'd be crazy not to be to engage in that. Right, and that also because I, you know, if I was an actor and you were taking my picture, and even if you were annoying <laughs> me, I'd be scared of you, man. You're, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm all smiles. Man. I'm usually all smiles. Yeah, don't, you know, look, those are every photograph is chosen, and you know, for a reason. So don't. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> That was the, I think I, that the, one of the really creepy ones was there just to mess with my mom. Well, <laughs> you scared. But now I mess with my mom and 20,000 other people. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, we're scared. You could take our pictures anytime. <laughs> so, uh, all right. As you can tell, maybe I'm more smiles than anything. Yeah, no, you no. actually do not. I, the voice does not match that picture. No. I'll tell you that much, man. Thank you so much for talking with us. You you do not seem mean at all. <laughs> Very nice and kind. <laughs> but I'd still. Well, look, I work at a. It's a world of uh, 
a fiction that I'm I'm immersed in. There you go, man. <laughs> to dabble for myself once in a while, right? <laughs> well, look, what a treat it was chatting with all of you. And um, I look forward to delivering in the future for all of you as well. Well, yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Really a pleasure to have you on. And, and it was great to see inside what you do and your work and your experiences and to see behind the scenes of all of the media we love and the media we're excited to see in the future. So thank you so much for sharing with us with that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Have a great one. You all too. Right. All right. This is History of the Batman with London presented by Meltdown Comics. For all you comic fans out there, if you want to come into the store, Meltdown Comics, 7522 Sunset Boulevard. Come on down, see what's going on. Tons of stuff. And if you actually say the secret password, London Calling, <laughs> you will get 10% off any purchase. So come on down to Meltdown Comics. Also, tune into the Meltdown Podcast Network. It could be found on iTunes. You could go to meltcomics.com, see the other podcasts that we have. For your listening pleasure, we've got Meltdown Moms, we've got Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy, Two Packs a Week, Meltcast 3.0, and the amazing, amazing anime attic by the great Mason Booker, the producer and engineer of this show. So please listen <laughs> to that. They dust off old anime from the attic, hence the name. And then they talk about it. I think they've got a Ghost in the Shell episode coming up. They've recently reviewed Ninja Scroll. So all the amazing stuff that people love to watch. So check it out. Anime Attic with Mason Booker. The show has been produced by Mason Booker. We'd like to thank him for that. And thank everyone here at Meltdown Comics for allowing us to host this wonderful podcast with London. London, thanks again for everything. Peace, love, and Batman. <laughs> <laughs>